Kayvon and I in sync again today. In, in sync. Almost as if we're some <laughs> kind of, um, you know. Boy band? Yeah, exactly. Ooh. That, that need. I was I was gonna I was gonna say symbiote a la like Carnage and Venom like also if you simple. haven't if you if you haven't seen Venom two um, we are in a queer goopy relationship so <laughs> uh, goop uh, but yeah so we should see it yeah it's it's super fun oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah. I, I, didn't a, I didn't have a I didn't have a right? Oh my god! And they got they, they they were cowards and got rid of the wig they put him in in the end scene from the original Venom movie. Oh, what was the wig? Hang on, I I've, oh, I need to. We haven't seen either of them actually. It it was it was just look at a Venom uh, end scene Her- Woody Harrelson wig. <laughs> Harrelson Venom and scene. Oh, damn. They cowards. Weak. Cowards. Weak. Nonsense. They should have kept it. Yeah, it's his hair. It's Cassidy. What's his face's hair? Or what's his face? Is mm-hmm. Cassidy's first name or his last name? I can't remember. Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's right. Because he's supposed to be some kind of wild hillbilly man. But yeah, yeah. no, Woody Harrelson looks phenomenal with that kind of hair. <laughs> I, they should have kept it. I, he looks like he looks like some kind of middle aged man who's had like who's balding who's had like a um like a midlife crisis. <laughs> like, God, have just, you like, the have, weirdest wig ever to just like peacock? Ha, have you ever seen the let uh the legendary um ask me anything he did on Reddit I have where really he. Not. He had like a fucking meltdown. He clearly didn't understand like what he was getting into there, and like it it eventually, it eventually ended up with him being like, "I just came here to promote a fucking movie. Fuck everyone here." And he stopped responding. (laughs) What what kind of questions were they asking? This is like now Uh, completely off track, but I'm just fascinated. I can't remember what really set him off, but like it it was, it was something akin to like uh, a, 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 a. I guess a more famous example is if like you ask Robert Downey Jr. about his alcoholism or like the mm. time he killed oh, someone and he just walks <laughs> off the he like walks off an interview. Um that so, that was that was akin to the question that got asked to him. Like something like personal that he never wants to talk about and like make sure that no one knows about. And okay. So things just, that a professional journalist probably wouldn't ask because their job is on the line and they know not to do that. Whereas like the yeah. general public's just like, tell me about your STD or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it, it was, fantastic. it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. And you know what? Like good for him for not knowing what an AMA is and like not just <laughs> yeah, having any right? understanding of that at all. Like, the fact that he is just like, wait, what is this actually? Like, makes me <laughs> like him even more. A bless, a blessed life is it if you don't know what Reddit is? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like he's just like, so he just really does kind of come across as this just like sort of charm dummy that just like makes his way through life and like things just go right for him, and he's just like whatever. It's <laughs> just like completely unaware of his surroundings. What a, like, I, what a just wonderful man. It's like I was on Cheers. You guys want to talk about that? <laughs> it's like, do any of you even know what Cheers is? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, sitcoms. What are they? Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, like, like honestly, does anyone under the age of thirty know what Cheers is? That's a good question. 
Because that show went off the, the air in, what, like, 89 or some You're shit? You're probably not listening to the show. Yeah, it's it's been gone a long time. Yeah. But he, as Lexi was saying, if you're know if you under 30 and know what Cheers is, let us know. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> if you're under 30 and listening to this podcast, like, how? Cool. I mean, <laughs> How great, did you but... find us? Yeah. Are you one of the are you one of the people from Japan who stuck who who originally started listening to this podcast because you thought it was about a boy band and you just stuck around? Hang on, wait, oh. wait, wait. Let's back up a moment. Is there a boy band called EXO Squad? No, there's a boy band called EXO. Ah. Or something like that. All right. Well, but well. when we first when we first started, we got a lot of traffic from people who I'm pretty sure thought this was a podcast about that band. That bangs. All right, hang on. I'm gonna we're gonna look into this really quickly. Damn, they have like music videos and shit. Ooh, and there's lots of dancing. It's like, and they're Japanese or oh, Korean. Uh, I don't know. They're they're super popular though. Yeah, they look like that. What's that band Anne likes on uh, BTS or something? Or BTS, yeah. Okay. Which, just fun aside, I know we got to get into the uh, ish episode here at some point. But fun aside, every time somebody says BTS, I keep thinking BTK. And so we have this one friend who's like super into that BTS, like Japanese or no Korean boy band. And she's always like, oh, you know, like blah, 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 BTS. Oh, the new BTS video. And in my mind, I keep hearing BTK. That's what I like. I think like beaten, tortured, submitted or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Welcome to the Uh, show. It's six minutes of complete divergence at this point. As always, as always, we're. We get to about the five minute mark, then we start talking about the real reason we actually come here. Hard, hard hitting <laughs> uh, news. This, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> this this is the as always. You're listening to Exo Friends, the Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. I am one of your hosts, Dave Hoyt, joined as always by Kayvon Fashami and Lexi DeCorning. Uh, to Today we're talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 14, Behind the Shield, um, written by Mark Edens, Ted Peterson, and Francis Moss, or, yes, uh, we and we've talked about these writers before, so we're not going to do our thing we've been doing recently about uh, about going into them, unless Lexi or Kayvon, you have any more insight into these two. I do not. Um, I'm trying to remember what Francis Moss has done, but that's it's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. Can't. See previous episodes if you want to do that, or look them up yourselves. Um, so uh, jumping right in, jumping right in, uh, we see the Neo Sapiens repairing the Graft Shield facility on Venus. And you know what I think was really good. And sometimes the show has continuity problems with art and such. I um, like when when the when the episode loaded up, also because of the title. I think I was immediately able to visually identify where they were based on what we had seen in previous episodes yeah hmm. yeah it, it felt like i was at least yeah um i don't know if you guys felt the same way what i i'm complimenting the show on being able to do that because that's hard to do in a cartoon yeah 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 good visual well, venus is very distinctive in its look because it's the terraformed planet as well and everything's mm-hmm. kind of like pinky orange um were you talking specifically about the graph shield facility like you yeah. recognize that building okay yeah. Again, I think I just smoked too much weed to remember anything anymore. So um, <laughs> it did <laughs> not have... a discredit to the show for the animators. Yeah, it did have like a kind of graph shield facility look to it for sure. Yeah. Well, they all kind of uh, look like big boobies. 
Uh, Sorry, maybe. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump right in because like later in the show, spoiler, when there's the other graph shield, it just looks like a big breast with a nipple on top to me. But... <laughs> Sorry, maybe that just says more about my brain than anything else going on in the show. Well, as as we all well know from anatomy, the the, the nipple is where the graph shield energy comes from. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> it's the center of gravitic, you know, magnetism in our solar system. Science. Wop wop. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> the uh, the we see we so we see the Neo Sapiens fixing uh, working at the Graf Shield facility on Venus, and Marsala and Nara are scouting out the effort. As they're doing that, we see a Neo Mega who we later learn is named Enlil, 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 walking. I think it's Enlil, uh, walking. That's what I put in the notes, at least. Uh, he's walking around and um, uh, looking up his name. It seem he is a. I think it's based on one of the like top gods in like the ancient Mesopotamian pantheon. Nice associated with basically like weather and earth and everything that happens, right? Um, and uh, Nara and Marsala are almost spotted by Draconis's ship flying overhead with searchlights for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they always do that. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe landing lights, but also I like that like Draconis has taken the time to build himself a custom made like dragon shaped ship, um, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty rad. Live your best life, Draconis. He's like... yeah, I mean, you know, live it up. Um, and uh, moving moving pretty quickly, Draconis lands at the base and begins reprimanding uh the Neo Megas working there for wasting resources and time on trying to fix the Graf Shield because he was told it couldn't be fixed. Um, the Neo Megas have ascertained that. I guess they never figured this out because Zenobius never said anything before he was presumably lobotomized or executed. Uh. That Algernon was the one who built the Graf Shield because they know who Algernon is and that he worked for Zenobius, and uh, they figured out how to fix what he did to sabotage it. Um, they they claim to have brought the shield back online and activate it, kind of revealing to Nara and Marsala that the shield is working again. Draconis is really angry about this because now he can't use it with the element of surprise because he assumes that the exofleet is scouting the area and he sends out a giant army of E-frames from the base to catch any anyone scouting the area. Yeah. And, and it's uh, like a giant like it's the I think the most oh, yeah. E-frames we ever <laughs> see in one place at any point in time. <laughs> It feels it feels like someone definitely like went a little overboard on the copy and pasting. Yeah, <laughs> and then some. It's like so. It's like we need a. I can just imagine like in the like kind of drawing room or whatever. Somebody draws. I was like, all right, we need a lot of e-frames, and they put a you know like a lot, but a decent amount on there. And then you know Mark Edens or whoever comes back and is like, no, no, a lot of e-frames. Like, well, fine, I'll show you. And just, <laughs> just like overlaid, because it almost looks like it looks kind of hastily put together too. It's like it looks janky, the five thousand frames on screen. It, it's definitely a little sloppy, but like it, it looks, it looks pretty cool. Like yeah. how many are there? It, it's it like 
he's it's one of those moments where you're like okay like maybe someone didn't think this through but it all but like at the same time like ah, it doesn't really detract anything from the show no. i kind of like it yeah i'm here for it uh uh nara and marsala event like immediately start running away because they're like oh shit that's a lot of e-frames and uh nara drops the binoculars slash scanners that they're using she, to, yeah she uh, calls it a scanner but it looks like just binoculars basically yeah binoculars with a computer readout of some <laughs> indiscernible symbol language um and uh this reveals to the neo sapien like force that they're here they start getting chased and they get to their e-frame and they're shot so they can't cloak because it's damaged and they start to run away and they get surrounded and nara is like no fucking surrender and just starts blasting um they're (laughs) right but like at the same time like how many times has able squad been captured or a member of able squad been captured at this point like you clearly like you you could surrender it wouldn't be that bad uh jt will likely uh, be along shortly to blow up the base that you're in yeah can't 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 let anyone be captured oh maybe that's why they did it because they're like no one can be captured on venus alec de leon will send someone to kill you <laughs> <laughs> um the uh they are saved by kaz and bronski who but saved is like maybe a little bit too too soon because they start getting chased by the aforementioned copy and pasted giant neo sapien fleet of e-frames uh as they uh, after as they begin to make try to outrun them uh draconis is about to leave and uh one one of the neomegas uh i think it's solace stops him and says you have to let them go and draconis is like why but he doesn't explain and he just says if you don't do this i'm going to tell phaeton to replace you with a draconis clone um <laughs> which is like a legit threat in this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like does so do I I guess he doesn't explicitly say I'll replace you with another Draconis. Does Draconis know about the clones that Phaeton keeps? I don't know if he does. I don't know actually, yeah. Yeah, he just says like we'll get you a suitable replacement. Um yeah, and then it's just like sort of like a threat that like yeah we'll they'll it basically says like it's kind of like he's saying like we'll put someone in who will be compliant to Phaeton's wishes if you don't mm. do what I need what I yeah. tell you to. Um, also, can we pause for a moment and talk about his voice because whoever that voice actor is, oh yeah, killed it. <laughs> My God, I and I've I've heard that voice before. Actually, I'm gonna look that up real fast because I've heard that voice like that specific voice from that voice actor before fair i think it's yeah it's like if like jordan peterson and barca had a child it would be (laughs) that accent i was gonna say say it's it's like a malevolent john waters (laughs) i think kayvon just laughed so loud that his microphone didn't pick it up because i can hear him oh my god yeah i'm sorry i just like lost it there malevolent john waters is perfect can you give me a a a quick who is john waters jo- oh my john god Walters? john waters is like a a cave on you're the film buff here so you probably know better but he's like a very famous american film director who did really weird grotesque taboo fucked up movies like 
pink flamingos. Yeah. But he also did hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> so, so He's like <laughs> it's it's like a drag queen eating a turd in one movie and then John Travolta in drag in another movie. So I don't know, that's the range of John Waters, but yeah. He's kind of like a cult icon now. How would you describe John Waters, Kayvon? Uh, so he was, like, really heavily influenced by, like, a lot of this kind of 60s-era drive-in, like, the really, like, far-end, like, gross-out end of, like, 60s-era drive-in stuff. Like, he really liked, like, Herschel Gordon-Lewis's, like, gore movies from the 60s. Um, Russ Meyer's, like, sort of so-called nudie cutie and, like, those kind of, like, movies. Um, but it's just, like... He's just, like, America's kind of, like, premier gross-out director. Pink, Flaming- Pink Flamingo's his first movie, I think it was, like, in the 70s. Um, let me just double-check that. But um, he uh, is just, like, notorious for just having, like, really over-the-top, uh, gory, sexy, overly sexualized, but to a point of being, like, kind of grossed out. 72, yeah, it was Pink Flamingo's. Um uh, which is his first movie and probably one of his most notorious. Because as Lexi mentioned, there's a, a drag queen in it, Divine, who actually eat, literally eats an actual dog turd on camera. Um, it's all done in one take. You actually see the dog poop, and then she picks it up and literally eats it. It's just like an absolute, just like total trash cinema, absolute gross out. But he's like this really hilarious, flamboyant, character who looks kind of i'm trying to think exactly how to describe him like not quite liberace-esque but he's he's a hoot and he's so damn funny and he also has like a phenomenal voice that yeah like the sullest character is like 100 percent like a sinister john waters oh that's perfect um you've probably seen him in some stuff dave i'm gonna i'll drop a picture in the uh in the discord here but yeah I, I can't find, like, the credits of the show. For the voice actor? For the voice... Oh, that guy! Yes. Oh, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yes. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that now. guy. He's, like, in a... He has cameos all over the place. Um, Did you ever see the movie Serial Mom back in the 90s? Sam Waterston and... um, uh, Catherine, what's her face? Yes. That was a John Waters movie. Like, Ricky Lakeson, it's about that suburban house mom who, like, discovers that she really loves being a serial killer. Yes, I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah, that's a John Waters movie. Catherine Tucker, I want to say. Um, And to our listeners, if you've never seen the movie Serial Mom, it's worth a watch. It's pretty funny. Nobody eats poop in it, I promise. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's Scott McNeil. Kathleen Turner. Oh, as uh, oh, no. Sullis? Yeah. Wow, I did not expect that to be Scott McNeil. I I question I questioned that. But anyways, if that's if that is Scott McNeil, good job. Uh he's the guy who played Yuri Staffrogan. Yeah. Uh good job at making me super creeped out with a voice. Yeah. <laughs> also, this guy looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, we we've we've talked we've talked about him before. The guy the 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 cowboy cowboy hat man from Australia. Yeah. Uh, pretty prolific voice actor. He looks like an extra um, on that old show. Do you remember Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas from the early nineties? Yes. Yeah, he looks like an extra on that <laughs> that's a good show. Pull. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that, that's a good pull. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, according to what I'm finding, that is Scott McNeil. I kind of question that, but if it is, you know, yeah, this proves Scott McNeil's a really good voice actor and deserves all his success. There you go. Uh, yeah. At least for that. Um. 
so yes, uh, he is Sullis. Sullis has a bone. Ch- uh, I say a bo- in the notes a bone chilling voice. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> um. And Solus's name, I tried to figure out where that comes from, and the only thing I could find is he is a a god who is locally worshipped in the Roman city of Bath, uh, or a goddess, uh, who is the goddess of the local hot healing hot springs that were there. Also, uh, I love that there's a city called Bath. Yes, I didn't know, and apparently it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Like you can go there. Yeah, yeah in England. It's in England. Yeah. yeah. I want to go. I want to go to Bath. <laughs> um, and uh, still worshipped by some quote unquote pagan religions uh, today, um, as a goddess of healing. Uh, we also get uh, the person who Draconis tells to pull the forces back is Creon. Yeah, uh, it's probably one of the only like s- besides Thrax, like secondary cast members who gets to survive more than one episode on the Neo Sapien side. Uh so he's still kicking around uh helping Draconis. And uh back at the Exofleet base, uh, the Sea of Amon, we learn that the fleet is coming to liberate Venus. Uh we see the Resolute 2 leading the fleet towards Venus as Winfield hurries to attack at the uh, while planning with Able Squad to attack at the same time that they destroy the Graf Shield, um, Algernon, I don't, I wouldn't even say begrudgingly, but he just admits that the Neo Megas, after studying the body of one of them, uh, are good enough to not only fix but probably improve upon the Graf Shield, which is worrying. Yeah. 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 Uh, this was also like uncharacteristically. Um generous of elgin honor right? yeah well he, you know you know it's serious because like he just freely admits it he's like yes the, the neomegas are maybe smarter than i am right which kind of drives home like it's like she's kind of I think, pointing out like it drives home just how like serious the situation is because if like probably the most arrogant man in the galaxy is like hey uh, they might actually be smarter than i am this is yeah cause for concern yeah Sorry, I have to is this uh, is this now followed by this like intense um, montage scene? Yes. <laughs> I noticed how this episode actually has very little dialogue. Like comparatively, I feel like there was either like either a lot of action or just like a lot of different kind of montage things going on. Yeah, it's it's one of the busiest episodes I think we've seen so far. It's especially with this training slash preparation montage where we see. Marsala making friends with James and Nara being happy about that. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Bronsky and Alec uh, practicing their marksmanship and Bronsky just like <laughs> totally owning Alec. Like, I, I love how Bronsky oscillates between like complete, sometimes completely inept as a pilot to one of the best members of the Exo fleet. Yeah. Like, I feel he, like it's very contextual. Sh- yeah, it is. Like he, when he wants to try, he does very well, or something like that, because he he take he takes like his machine chain gun arm, which is not like firing small bullets, and juggles a can in the air with it, and then tucks it then into. Shoots... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and then shoots the can into like the, the hole in the bullseye where Alec is just yeah 
like hit the bullseye. After Alec like, <laughs> Alec hits is... the bullseye and is like, yeah, yeah, look how good I am. Bronski's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and Alec looks at Bronski like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> and to which he just belches in classic Bronski yeah. fashion. Yeah, no words exchanged. Just, just absolute amazing marksmanship. Yep. Um, and it's it was those scenes Mac- like when I was little that it was like, yeah, this is this is the like this is my guy. Like Bronski's the coolest, coolest on the team. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we see we see we see Maggie fixing up or tuning, fine tuning Rita's e frame, and uh, then the final scene of like flight exercises with the squad as JT looks onward now i'm a big i'm a big fan of 80s music over preparing to do something montages um i think they're like actually like a pretty rad way to tell stories narratively and visually um yeah and this was a top-notch like thumbs up guys great montage yeah yeah it didn't go on too long it like it 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 kind of conveyed like this is a very serious moment in the series and the squad has to prepare for it uh it's it's really it's really good storytelling i think um yeah. Yeah. uh Dr- draconis is now being told of the exofleet's approach as they get closer uh winfield inspects the resolute 2 uh which simbaka is very proud of i think at this point simbaka has already been made the mm-hmm. the captain of the resolute 2 uh and Finally, we see like the day of the mission. JT is looking out at the sunrise or the sunset. I couldn't really figure out which. Yeah, um, it's not clear he's... if it's morning or evening, yeah. but it's it. The sun is on the horizon. It's very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we he's looking he's looking at a photo of Alice to like ready to steal himself for the mission and not make any mistakes and lose any members of his squad. Uh, Nara comes up behind him and comments on the beauty of the scene. You know, this is something she's been raised with her entire life. And the squad takes off for the mission. And I wrote down here, like, not to be, like, (laughs) not to be, like, overly critical of the male gaze on this show, but doesn't it always seem like we constantly get, like, these slow pans upward of, of Nara's body? Oh my god, I didn't even notice that to be honest. But now that you point it out, I'm probably going to see it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. I, uh, I'm trying not to be too much like that, but it just it struck yeah. me right now. I mean, because uh, we're compared to like compared to like uh, Maggie and Rita, I feel like yeah, Nara is not sexualized, but like she's the more um, romantic interest character, if I can put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll get romance narratives actually, like for, or at least like indications of romance for all three of them, at some mm. point. Um, but like, Rita's is probably the briefest. Um, but like, yeah, she is like she's got that kind of girl next door look and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, she's like the nice yeah. peppy blonde and all that. Yeah. I I have to confess I don't I'm like going back through and like looking at the episode I don't remember that being I don't remember that shot but yeah like I could see that being kind of a weird thing they do it is the early 90s for a show that's pretty good about not doing that sort of stuff yeah I could still see it having like it being a thing um, well I think I think there's there is something because um, oh and I can't remember who it was one one of the primary 
like driving creative forces behind this show actually has uh made a lot of uh pinup art mm. and like one of the things he makes pinup art of is Nara Burns. Interesting. Oh, okay. I did not um, know that. So like and, and I don't think it's necessarily to like a gross degree as much as you can say that like pinup art is not just like sexualized art, right? Right. But it, it is it is something that happens, and I think like maybe you can draw that to to why you see it here in the show, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and also, before they leave, we see the the classic like Bronski's E frame trying to close over his gut, like right after he eats a candy bar, and like he has to like suck it in. He's like, Ugh. God bless him. Yeah, that was that was like a hilarious little touch as well. <laughs> You're like, sh- surely the, the E-frame is built with, like, I don't know, more space than, like, your stomach is, like, right up against it, but I don't know. And that's what Bronsky's the actual maj- engineers thought, too. <laughs> Bron- Bronsky's majestic co- countenance cannot be contained. Um, <laughs> and then he burps inside his E-frame. <laughs> oh, that, that, so that E-frame... That E-frame must be rancid inside yeah, of it. Like, make... What do you reckon it smells like? Farts and burps. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just like an old sewer drain. They, do, do you think they they had fart jokes for Bronski all the time, but they had to take them out for like the censor or something? Like yeah, that? like it's like, oh, this might be a little too risque for like network television. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, if we ever do get that live action remake, come on, let's do it. Yeah. Bronsky, I want to see please. lots of farting in space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God, it's in the frame, and I can't <laughs> vent it. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, you can just uh, see him making, like, a fart joke at some point. Just like, you know, like, somebody's like, oh, like, what do you think, Bronski? And he just, like, farts, and he's like, that's what I think. And he's like, oh, God, I'm stuck in here with this. <laughs> I've made a mistake. Oh, there you go. We, should, we really should be writers for this. <laughs> the finest fart jokes that three that two PhDs and a master degree can come up with. <laughs> Make this happen. Uh, the uh, the the after after all this, the squad begins its attack, and we we get to see some really cool scenes. Like uh, Maggie uses her chain lightning gun to blow up a bunch of missiles, which is really cool. Like they didn't they didn't really show that before. Like, I think that's kind of an indicator of her being clever on how to Mm. use this thing. Uh, But, uh, but other than that, during the battle that like, this seems to be like a slaughter on the exo squad side. Yeah. Um, I, I also like that JT like makes not like a perfect circle, but like an unbroken oval. Oh yeah. When he shoots through the wall. Yeah. yeah, With perfect lines. (laughs) To make a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as this being a slaughter, it's like, again, just kind of going with the World War II vibes. Um, you know, by the end of the war, the both sides of the Axis uh, had taken so many casualties that especially in the air where, like, experience, training, all that sort of stuff really mattered. Uh, they just, like, ran out of experienced pilots and they were just throwing, like, rookies and, like, you know, kind of green pilots at the Allies en masse and they were just dying in droves. Like, the last, the latter part of the war for the Japanese, like, Air Force is a, just a, it's a really almost sad story of just them getting slaughtered because they're all um, just green pilots. And it kind of has that vibe to it a little bit here. Like, the Neo Sabians are starting to run out of materiel, out of soldiers, out of everything. Um, and it's just, again, like that sort of like World War II, the kind of 
the kind of parallels there that I think to some degree are fairly conscious in this. Yeah, and I like I like that read of it. I didn't think about that at this point. I I I do think they actually like s- explicitly say that at towards the end of the series. Mm-hmm. But it, it's 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 interesting to think about that happening at this point, especially on Venus, because most of the Venusian force was killed by the first graph shield incident. Yes. Yeah, that's right. At least I think they were. Yeah. That's right. So that's like been really, really heavy, you know, like lots of heavy casualties, not the ability to replace it. Because again, we know they were trying to build this like uh, breeding facility to be able to replace their losses. So it's like, this is getting to the point where it's like starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel of the Neosapien forces. Like, you know, they lost uh, Mercury also, which was a big fight for them. And it's just kind of getting to the point where it's like, who do they even have left? And what are they, what are they throwing at the, at the exo fleet at this point? Yeah. Um, J, uh, J, after like as the court as this battle goes on, and it's very clear that like the exo uh, able squad and the and the um resistance are winning the battle. JT and Maggie begin setting up explosives to blow up the facility. And I, I one one scene during this really caught my eye where like there's a bunch of Neo Sapien workers like trying to escape <laughs> and they don't yes. even have weapons, and JT just fucking shoots them. Well, they so yeah, they, they seem to be oh, in like orange lab coats, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so they barge in. He like kicks down the that hole in the wall. They run off like screaming and making like a really good like <laughs> noise as they run. <laughs> and then like they they are trying to go out another door, and then a bunch of Neo Sapiens come in that door, starting shooting at JT, <laughs> and they just get caught in the middle of this crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, 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 I like kind of hope that like JT turned on like stun mode for that moment, but I don't know that he did. <laughs> also, uh, can we talk about like the, they're putting explosives around? And Lexi and I both like noticed this. They put down like that little yellow explosive pack, and there's like a green circle in the middle of it that looks an awful lot like a cocktail olive with a pimento in it. <laughs> I was like, hmm. oh, yeah. please, please, I would like a cocktail now. <laughs> it's nine uh, o'clock Martin, in the morning. Why not? Uh, it's yeah. You know, don't be don't be constrained by the bourgeois ideas of when you should and shouldn't drink. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, Draconis begins to panic at this point. Uh, he's back at uh, Vesta, the capital of Venus. And Sullis and Aleel are be, reveal their trap to Draconis. You know they, they've this has all been like a kind of a false flag operation, where they have turned the large structure dome at at uh, Vesta the into its own giant graph generator. Right. Which is like funny that he didn't, you know, I mean, you would think like, okay, maybe he doesn't pay a ton of attention to day to day administration. But like, how did you miss that as the overseer of Venus? It's like, man, there seems to be a lot of work going on here. What's going on? (laughs) Like, oh, the copper, the copper wire requisitions are way up. What's going on? Why are there Vandegraaff generators? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They're just remodeling. uh, It's like a. What's at the property brothers, but they're near makers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, and you know, I, I was thinking like as I was watching this, I was thinking like as a kid, like this was this seems subtle enough that it probably like blew my mind. I was like, Whoa, 
that's such a great trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. It's um, a good leverage. trap, and yeah. it almost works, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's there's like a few layers to it too. But first, first I was gonna like you know again another great great name. Uh, Vesta is the name of the brightest asteroid visible from Earth, oh. and also the name of the virgin goddess of the hearth, home and family in the Roman religion. Uh, also no, uh, known as Hestia, Hestia, Hestia. In Hestia. Oh yeah, though that's probably the right way to say it. Uh, in the Greek religion, um, hmm. and uh, the, I, I wrote this in the notes about the next scene. Like this is a great strategy, and they don't touch upon it. But like, because like, if the Exo fleet wanted to attack this Vandegraaff generator by just shooting from it from the sky, they would have to probably kill most of the humans living there. Yeah, yeah, like the largest population center on Venus. Yeah, so like they're holding people hostage by this, either inadvertently or advertently. I'm not sure which because they never talk about it. Um, no, undoubtedly, I'm sure they probably, that would have probably entered into their calculations of like being just cruel and brilliant. Yeah, especially for the Neo Megas, right? Like you said, um, the uh, Alec Alec figures out what's going on at this point. He's like, okay, this has been way too easy. Um, we need this is like a shell game they're trying to divert our attention and he tells jt and jt gets in touch with the fleet algernon like hooks up to the graph facility that they're at and tries to turn it on and realizes it's a dummy system and it's not real and so uh winfield's like oh shit we gotta pull back yeah uh, um and as as he does this, Draconis is uh, ordered, not ordered the Neomegas, but like the Neomegas and Draconis have activated this new, larger, more powerful graph shield, and it begins destroying the fleet. And uh, Simbaka's like, no, don't pull back. Everyone cloak. <laughs> and, and they give some scientific explanation of why this works. But Algernon puts it best when he's like, oh, they can't target what they can't see. <laughs> Why didn't I ever think of that? <laughs> and that's yeah. like my favorite part of this is like we're just fresh off an episode where we really emphasized like this like really like ridiculous like eugenics phrenological reading of the pirates is like oh they're just like wild and barbaric and can't control themselves and they're simple and all this stuff. They got was it Doc Meta syndrome or some shit? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. That they have these like <laughs> childlike brains and large sloping brows or whatever, and. Like, <laughs> It's like you have like all these Neomegas who are like engineered to be brilliant. You have like Algernon who fancies himself the cleverest man in human history, and then like Jonas Simbach is like actually like this will work and just defeats this like cuts around all of them, outsmarts everybody. It's just like you go Simbach, you go with your childlike brain. Hell yeah, yeah. That's why he's one of my favorites. Yeah, so good. Simbach is a boss. Uh. Oh yeah, so so they turn on the cloaking, and the craft shield is like it's it's really funny because you see Enlil like looking at a monitor to watch what's happening, and the fleet just like blips off the monitor, <laughs> and and Leo is like, "How could this be?" Right. It's like you guys, everybody knows they can cloak, right? Like this is this yeah. is well, this is commonly known fact. Come on, guys. 
Well, it, it and it, it it goes back to what you guys were saying. Like all of these big brain idiots are outsmarted by Jonas Simbaka just t- flipping a switch and turning on the cloaking device. <laughs> Which, like, also uh, again, you know, there's this attitude that, like all the pirates are like they're simpletons and blah blah blah. It's like how are they the only people that have figured out how to cloaking technology? None of the rest of you because have. they live in deep space in the black matter or whatever dark matter dark See, that's, matter, that's, that's how they figured it out sorry black matter jesus that's true i mean it is very racialized let's be honest so i'm not far off but i thought that was the whole thing at the beginning of the show they established like because the pirates are basically the belters right they're out in like the depths of space beyond mars or whatever like they are somehow it's never really quite explained but that was the vibe i got it's like they're somehow more in tune with the environment of deep space and therefore have figured out well, because, like, yeah, there's, there's like, the planet, I guess, planet chaos is, like, made of dark matter or something like that. But it just, like, you know, it just seems odd that ExoFleet has had decades, generations, whatever, to, like, you know, study well, this, I th- observe I that... it, and nobody's figured out how to replicate it yet. I mean, I think it's a credit I, to I the th- pirates. I thought that the dark matter was what made them able to cloak. Right, right. And yeah. like chaos was the only place you could get it. You know, completely butchering the explanation of what dark matter actually is in reality, but yeah. like a good cartoon explanation of why they're the only ones it's, who can it's do it. It's a resource right? you can mine. Good good <laughs> yeah. good science fiction should never let science stand in the way of its fiction. That's right. <laughs> I firmly believe that. Uh so um so it, they after the cloak thwarts the graph shield they get inside the range which i guess the graph shield has a minimum range and um the they launch a hu- more jump troops than we have ever seen in the show yeah. like i didn't think there were that many jump troops in the entire exo fleet and they start the invasion of venus uh draconis uh orders the defense of the city and immediately sends the Neo Megas away to be executed. Like, is now the time? I guess it is. Oh, um, and that's that like my favorite part. They're like, well, someone, Phaeton will like, Phaeton will be upset that you've killed us. He's like, Phaeton will hear of your heroic sacrifice fighting the invading army. I I love that that is Draconis's go-to move for getting rid of people. He's like, oh, there was an accident, or oh, they died valiantly. <laughs> right? it's yeah. like, I put them on the front lines, and they held off the Terrans <laughs> for a while great also because is it draconis that just like picks them up and throws them across the room mm-hmm. and they both yeah. kind of just like land on the floor and then lie there prone like they can't possibly get up until they, one of the, they, like the soldiers have to come and like pick them up by the shoulders and like carry them out because they can't move all of a sudden well like, i mean the other one and leo looks like he's dead in that scene like he's just been shattered <laughs> he he's, they, they both they're they're both just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are we in this? Uh, where are we in this whole thing? I think we're kind of we were kind of uh, towards the we? end because we were talking about how <clears throat> the Neo Megas are so weak. They're so they're soy boys essentially. They're yeah. like what oh white God. nationalists fear the most is very brainy but physically uh, weak. Soy <laughs> boys. So yeah, people. yeah. I, I mean, well, it. this is this is this is the future that liberals want is one where we're all neo-megas and tough neo-alphas like draconis just don't have a, a place in this world anymore where they can say what they mean and you know just be mm. mainly neo-sapien men the noble right neo-mega spirit well, the noble neo-alpha spirit <laughs> right. 
<laughs> although although we have seen like we have seen a neo mega like throw a human being effortless effortlessly. right so like i would assume they're, they're in the... strong compared to humans yes okay. yeah like in the Sorry. pecking order it's like human neo mega neo alpha neo alphas are okay. still the alphas but you know they're just increasingly finding themselves in a world where alpha men just you know don't have a place anymore it's just the feminist are agenda they... are they neo chads <laughs> neo chads who are the Neo Stacy's gonna date? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am the Neo Sigma. I walk alone by <laughs> choice. <laughs> Neo's going their own way. Excuse me. Uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think we left off where uh, Dracona Draconis at, is panicking. He's he's thrown the Neo Megas out. Uh, and he orders to the defense of the city as kind of their last stand. Um, as we were talking about, I love how much of a scumbag Draconis yeah. is. Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> he's just absolutely delightful. Um, yeah. I really, I, I really like Phaeton's generals in general. Um, but yeah, Draconis is what a joy. Um, especially yeah. the whole just like again, <laughs> like Phaeton will hear about how your noble sacrifice. <laughs> later it has been he's got a little sign it's, 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 and he just flips it to zero it has been zero days since our last fatal accident since our last noble sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, amazing. It, uh, the uh the episode ends with nara and jt watching the attack on vesta and um able squad running to their e-frames to join in and jt comments this is the beginning of the end for phaeton heck yeah Woo-hoo. Woo, we're doing it yeah the episode kind of ends on a cliffhanger because like yeah they're all running towards the e-frames and you almost expect there to be another scene after this but it just cuts to the the credits yeah and we'll have to tune in next week to find out what happens with the battle on venus mm-hmm. tune in next time um yeah and uh yeah that's the end of the episode um good 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 fun action-packed episode which again i feel like we get a lot of in season two where there's not a there's some episodes where there's just not a whole lot of dialogue and this is like the pinnacle of that so far yeah for sure um yeah i mean it's it's really getting down to the kind of like this is kind of the d-day moment and now it's you know we're really we're getting to the uh the big you know because i think there's like an upcoming like the major space battle left to have the kind of big climactic battle of the war and then it's just yeah kind of just slowly peeling back the neo sapiens from this point out in a bunch of really rad action-packed episodes yeah um with 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 that is there is there anything you guys want to plug or suggest this week Hmm. what are we i don't know what are we what have we been watching uh we watched The Haunting of Bly Manor, finally, Ooh. which is more like The Haunting of Sad Manor. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> the show is so depressing. Really beautiful, but depressing. Yeah. Um, it's the same team of people that did The Haunting of Hill House and um, uh, Midnight Mass. Uh, mm. But whereas those two... Oh, can... Midnight Mass was so good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Have you seen The Haunting yeah. of Hill House? No, I haven't watched Give that. Give that a watch. It's very it's good. It's incredible. Um, okay. And it's like a, it's kind of a, it's a retelling of like the classic movie, the original 1963, The Haunting, and Shirley Jackson's novel, The Haunting of Hill House, 
wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Mass, Haunting of Hill House can legitimately be considered like horror stuff, and like Bly Manor has like ghost story elements, but it's really just like a very sad show about trauma. But that's what makes it a good ghost story. True. I, I actually think like it's very self-aware because it's also um, so Haunting of Hill House is based on, as you said, like the Shirley Jackson story and the film that preceded it, well, loosely based on those things, and then. Haunting of Bly Manor was very loosely based on um, Henry James's Turn of the Screw, but I think oh, that's right. they are very like self-aware in the way that they use the ghosts to actually tell a story about like human trauma and loss, um, which I guess yeah, Haunting of Hill House does the same thing actually. Yeah. Just for some reason, I don't know why. Like Bly Manor was just so dark and sad. <laughs> a lot sad. But they also have like a lot of. If you like one of those series, you'll probably like all of them because they also use the same actors um, again and again, kind of come up. So yeah, yeah, highly cool. recommended. Good suggestion. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, <clears throat> I can't really think of too much. Uh, it's been we're end of the semester, and I've been grading, grading, grading endlessly a million papers. Uh, and in fact, that's what's yeah. going to take up the rest of my day. So maybe we'll have better recommendations next time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to recommend Duolingo because I have been learning Espanol. <laughs> Estoy aprendiendo Espanol. Uh, <laughs> no. And I'm just using the free version, so like every now and again there's an annoying <clears throat> ad, but I just tilt the screen away from myself and turn the volume down for like 30 seconds, so whatever. Nice. Oh. So yeah, any any Spanish speaking listeners out there want to help me practice my Spanish skills? That would be amazing. I'm like trying to like, trying to think in two languages now which is difficult thank you oh. um, i did finish prob- the last prob- book in the expanse series uh this week that <clears> came <throat> out um i think uh like a week or two ago um and it ends well it's not my favorite book in the series but the ending was pretty solid i thought so if you're uh, an expanse fan and i uh, haven't had a chance to get to the ninth book uh it's it's definitely worth worth the read nice nice yeah. um yeah, I get the only thing I'd recommend. I've been, I've over the past two weeks binged the last, the, the end of the like ten year storyline that has gone off in Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, the latest expansion. How was it? And uh, it is excellent. Uh, it has cemented the game not only as my favorite MMO of all time. But it is now in my top ten list video games wow. of all time. Cool. Um, it, I can. It is summed up perfectly by. Uh, so there's like all every expansion ends with like this culminating like last battle, right? Um, and you have like you know it's kind of like a mini raid that like most people can accomplish without a lot of coordination. Um, I ho- I I did what's called a roulette where you get rewards for helping people go through it, and it could be summed up with at the the last time I did it with a group of people who were who hadn't done it yet. Um, some guy in the group said that uh my 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 wife who was also on the group wanted to thank everyone for helping us through this because it's kind of hard. Uh, She can't type it right now because she's crying too hard. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like that, that's how much this, this story has capped. Then game has captivated people. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. 
Um, so yeah, highly recommend if you've ever thought about getting into the game, like now is the time to do it and have fun. Don't, don't skip anything. Go through the whole game, watch everything, read everything and play one of the best final fantasy games that has ever been made. Thank you. But yeah, uh, that, that's my recommendation for the week. And on that note, uh, this episode should be coming out right before new year. So happy new year's everyone. Uh, hope you have a... Yeah. Hope you have a safe one and everything, and we will see you in 2022. Hopefully it is better than 2021. Uh, <laughs> Let's not get our hopes up. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep those fingers I'm crossed, gonna... but don't hold your breath. <laughs> Just, gonna... Just let me have this, guys. I'm going to go in with like a certain amount of cynicism so that I will hopefully be, like, <clears throat> I don't know, pleasantly surprised. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's easy to be a cynic because... Everyone expects you to be right, and everyone's happy when you're wrong. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. It's also easy to be a cynic because we live in a dog shit dying world. But anyway, <laughs> on that happy note. But happy New Year. <laughs> happy Enjoy. New Year, everyone. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Da, 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 da. I love that. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Right. Bye. Adios.